how to cooperate with God or to cooperate with him because, you know, speaking of Jimmy, you know, it was years back when he was in the Philippines when I first heard somebody use this statement. A lot of people use it today. Um, but that was the first time that it was heard and it came out of Jimmy's mouth. And he, he said how we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We need to cooperate with God. Um, his protection is there. His grace is available to us. But you know, <clears throat> I think sometimes we forget that God is God. Thank you for all that agreement on that. You know, but, uh, but he is God and, and uh, he wants to manifest his finished works in our lives. But in order for that to transpire, we, we need to be in a place, in a position where we cooperate with him. You know, it's already been done. You do realize that when you, when you pray and you're asking God to do something, you're, you're asking him to do something that is already done, something that's already been accomplished. It's been done since the foundation of the world. Jesus accomplished it all on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. The victory already belongs to us. Healing already belongs to us. Whatever it is that we need in our life, it's already belongs to us. It's been done through Jesus. But if it's already been done, why isn't, why isn't it manifested in everybody's life? You know, God's, God isn't moved by need. And we look at it and we think, well, what, you know, surely God can see this, this issue, this problem in my life. Why doesn't he do something about it? God isn't moved by need. God's moved by faith. And actually, God is already moved by faith. And so by faith, what we're doing is we're not getting, to, getting God to do something. By faith, we're receiving what he's already accomplished for us, what he's already done for us. And so by faith, what we're doing is we're cooperating with him with what he's already done in our life. You know, <clears throat> Ephesians 2.8, it says, for by grace, we've been saved through faith. By grace, we've been saved. By grace, we've been saved. In other words, by unmerited favor, we've been saved. We had absolutely nothing to do with it, except we received what Jesus did for us by faith. For by grace, we've been saved by faith, not of works, not of anything that we've done. It's what Jesus has done for us. And so we need to position ourselves to cooperate with him so that he can manifest in our lives those things which he's already provided. <clears throat> you know, just as in the natural, there are certain laws that go into effect. Faith, for example, is a, is a spiritual law. And like any law, you must cooperate with that law or you must apply that law. You know, one of the first messages that I they ever preached in this church. I realize it's just the other day, so we might have to do something next year uh, to celebrate. But, <clears throat> you know, Abundant Life Ministries was founded in 1978. And so next year is going to be our, our, our 40, 40 year anniversary. And so um, 35 years ago now, be 36 years next year, when I came to take this church over, 
the, the first message, one of the first messages that I preached was on the laws and the principles of God and how <clears throat> these, these laws operate in the same way that natural laws operate. And so a police officer, he has natural laws that are in operation in his life. But he has to use that authority and he has to use it properly for him to be effective as an officer. There, are, there is authority that has been given to you and I. And we have that authority because of certain laws that were instituted or that were put in motion, put in place by Almighty God. And for those laws to operate properly in our life, we must, as a police officer, we must position ourselves and we must operate within those laws properly or in a lawful way. Because you know what? <clears throat> Many times the things that we want God to do in our life, if we don't apply faith in those areas, God would have to operate in our lives unlawfully. And he will not do that. And that's why we can trust him because God will never, ever go against his word, the laws, the principles that he's instituted in our lives. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And aren't you glad? Yes. You see, the significance of that is that he doesn't ever change. And you can trust, you can have confidence in somebody that doesn't ever change especially when they know you, that you know that they love you unconditionally. And every thought that they have for you is for blessing, it's for good, and not for evil. That's the God that we serve. And so, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians, the third chapter, I wanna look at the 20th verse there, and it says, now to him who is able, now to him, capital, so it's talking about Jesus. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think, according to the power that works, listen very carefully, in us. It's not the power that's working in God. It's the power that he's invested in your life and in my life. And it says, in him who is able to do exceedingly, not, not just abundantly above, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. I don't know about you. I can ask really big. I can think really big. And he says, exceedingly, abundantly, above what I could ask or think. That's big. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power, the exceedingly, abundantly, above exceedingly above what we could ask or think is according to the power 
that's working in us. What's that power that's working in us? You know, the Apostle Paul says, when I'm weak is when I'm strong. So when we recognize that we're weak apart from God, that's when we're strong because at that point what we do is we begin to operate in faith. Do you know when we're, we're not strong? It's when we think we can do it ourselves. It's when we think we can handle the circumstances, the situations in our life and what we do is we kind of we just kind of set God on the back shelf. You know, in Habakkuk 2.4 it says, the just, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You and I, we're the just, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. Just, we shall live by faith. What's that mean? That, that means that we put our confidence completely in him. Faith takes that which has already been provided for us through grace and we receive it for ourselves. What a wonderful principle. God's done it all. He's done it all. And what we do is we simply come to a place where we receive what God has provided for us through grace. Now, grace and Jesus are synonymous with one another. Jesus is grace. And so you won't ever truly find grace outside of Jesus. And so when we talk about grace, we're talking about Jesus. When we're talking about what grace has provided, we're talking about what Jesus has provided for you and I. It's like we've been sharing, it's all about Jesus. We just need to get over ourselves. Recognize that it's all about Jesus and put our, put our trust in him. The just are those who have been declared righteous by the grace of God. You've been declared righteous through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Righteousness came into your life the moment that you were born again, the moment that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. We look at ourselves many times and we think, well, you know, I don't, I don't feel very righteous. I don't, I don't look very righteous. Well, stop being moved by your senses. Stop being moved by what you see. Start being moved by what you believe, by what you know and what you need to believe and what you need to know is what Jesus has done for you. Because when you come to that realization, it changes everything. All at once, life doesn't have to be so difficult because you're dependent upon Him. You're learning to lean, learning to lean, learning to lean on Jesus. And you know what? You need to learn to lean. You need to learn to trust. You need to learn to rely on Jesus. Because you know what? He'll never fail us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never let us go. In Romans, the first chapter, the 17th verse, it says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed 
from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. As it is revealed from faith to faith. You know what that means? That means as you grow in faith, you begin to see more clearly that you're the righteousness of God in Christ because as you grow in faith, you look less to self and you look more to Him. You rely on Him more. You, you look to Him more. And it's from faith to faith. What are we talking about? We're talking about how to cooperate with God. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There is no other avenue but to hear. You know, as, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to know something. We've got to understand something. Faith comes by hearing. There is no other avenue. There is no other avenue. I know what it says in Jude 20, praying in the Spirit, building yourself up in your most holy faith. But what's that talking about? That's praying in the Holy Ghost and it builds you up in the faith you already have. But you know what? There's a lot of people praying in the Holy Ghost expecting something to happen, but they don't have any faith for it to build up on. That didn't come out right, but you know what I mean. <laughs> faith comes by hearing. We need to cooperate with the Holy Ghost. We need to cooperate with God. We need to realize I need to hear the Word of God and there is no substitute. Thank God for all the different avenues that we have that, that direct us in the direction that we need to go. But we need to understand something. There is no substitute for hearing the Word of God. Everything else that we do is so important to, to build us up, to edify, to strengthen us in those areas. But faith comes by the Word of God. You know, <clears throat> we're, in a, we're in a difficult time. You know, I, I, I think the church goes through periods where people hear the word and, and then they get distracted by everything else that's not just simply going on outside the church, but going on within the church. They get distracted. And so we can't get distracted. We've got to realize that to cooperate with God means that we hear his word on a continual, regular basis so that we can Go from faith to faith. Why? So that we can be assured. So that we can have confidence that what God has said, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. You know what that means? That means the more that we grow in faith, the more convinced and more confident that we're going to be in our position of righteousness. I don't know about you, when I first got born again, it wasn't immediately that morning I woke up and thought, whoa, glory, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. No, I went through, through years of struggle, focusing on my failings, my shortcomings, my inadequacies. How could I possibly be right, the righteousness of God in Christ? As I looked at it, my, my, my life was a mess. I wasn't the man that I ought to be. But you know, when you go from faith to faith, you begin to realize something. 
you begin to realize it isn't dependent on what I'm doing, it's dependent on what Christ has already done for me. And the interesting thing is when I begin to focus on that, when we begin to focus on that and stop focusing so much upon ourselves, there's a transformation that begins to take place in our life. You know, in Corinthians it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I don't know about you as a new Christian, I tried to conform. And there is an element of that. But we get into trouble when that's how we try to live our life, trying to conform to what everybody else thinks that we ought to be. Even if we look at it and we see it in somebody's life and we like what we see in their life and we try to conform to that, but you know what, it's not real. And so at those times of crisis, at those times of difficulty, what happens? We revert back to who we really are. But you know what? When we begin to grow from faith to faith, it doesn't say that we're, there's a conformity that takes place. It says there's a transformation that takes place in our life. You know, the first church I pastored was New Life Fellowship. And... Uh, uh, it was, it was pattern after it, or what we used was the butterfly. You know, because they're so pretty and all that kind of stuff. And, but in, in the butterfly's life, there's this transformation that takes place. Starts out as a worm, goes into a cocoon. And eventually there's a transformation that takes place and it comes out as a beautiful butterfly. Don't you, don't you like my, you know, uh, what, what do you call it? Anyway, you know, I'm not good with pictures and stuff, so you just have to look at me. But there's a transformation that takes place. But you know what, that's what's to occur in your life and my life. It isn't that I try to be like somebody else, it's that God transforms me into being the me that I'm supposed to be. Whoa, that's heavy. He transforms you into the you that you're supposed to be because he's got something for you that nobody else can do. We're unique. Some people appreciate our uniqueness and others don't. But we're unique. And when we're transformed into his image, and how does that take place from faith to faith? As we grow in our understanding and our knowledge of him, through grace, there's something that takes place in our lives so that we're, we're never the same. But it's he working in our lives. In Galatians again, the third chapter, in the 11th verse, he says, but that no one is justified by the law on the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. You know, if you're coming on Wednesday nights, we're, we're going through the book of Galatians and we're, 
We're, we're looking at how in Galatians there's this comparison between the law and the grace, between faith and works, between the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. And, and what we begin to see as we're, we're going through that is how there is absolutely no way that we can be justified through the law in any way, shape, or form because if we try to do it through the law, what happens? We constantly feel like we're falling short. We see it with the, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he says to Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, keep the commandments. And he says, which ones? And Jesus says, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness. And the guy says, all this I've done since my youth. Well, if he's done that all from his youth and he's kept all the law, why did he still feel so insecure? Because that's where we're always left if we're trying to depend upon our own ability to be good enough to get into the kingdom. And Jesus says, one thing you still lack. Go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. And of course, somebody take, some people take that out of context and say, see, you're supposed to give everything to the church and go around poor. It's not what he's talking about. He's locating where he's at. And it says that the young man walked away saddened because he had much riches. And Jesus didn't just simply say, go sell your possessions and give them to the poor. And he says, then take up, then come follow me. The same command that he gave Peter, the same command that he gave Andrew, the same command that he gave all the other disciples. But notice what the problem was, is he had great riches. And so you may be thinking you're keeping all the commandments. But the first of all commandments is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I don't want to insult anybody, but probably every one of us, if we'd be totally honest with ourselves, we have an issue with that command. Well, pastor, I don't have any golden idol in my house, this, 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 this. Yeah, but what comes first in your life? If God is God, God comes first. Amen? Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. Praise the Lord. Yes, I'm a grace preacher. What I'm trying to do is show you how much you need grace. Because we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own abilities. In Hebrews 10, 38, it says, Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The just shall live by faith. But if anybody draws back, the Lord has no pleasure in him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, what does Hebrews 11.1 1 say? My brain just went blank. Now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the sixth verse. But without faith, 
it's impossible to please him. And he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, draws back from what? Draws back from faith. What does it mean to draw back from faith? Drawing back from faith means that we begin to rely upon performance once again. To draw back means that we begin to trust in self-effort once again. It means that we draw back and we begin to doubt again. You ever been there? And something's happening around you and you look at it and you think, this is impossible. Do you know what, do you, know what you just did? You drew back from faith. Because you're not justified by faith at that point. You're beginning to rely upon self or you're beginning to look at the circumstances around you. So how does faith talk? Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. You know, people absolutely amaze me. Absolutely amaze me. And sometimes the people that amaze me the most are preachers. You know, because I've heard this. I've heard this. I've heard this from preachers. Well, you know, this, this, this faith message is past. God's doing something new today. Let me, let me tell you something about something that's new. Something new is added to enhance what you already, what you already have. You know, I, I, I was raised in a denomination. But you know what? I, I thank God for that denomination that I was raised in. And the reason for it is, when I did finally get saved, I had a foundation in my life that I noticed that many people around me, because of the environment that they, were, they grew up in, they didn't have it. And so when I got saved, I was able to keep much of what I'd already learned. And I was able to move on from there. When I heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't have to reject what I already had. I was able to take the baptism. I went from faith to faith. I went from glory to glory. When I heard about healing, I didn't have to reject. Well, there was something that I had to reject. I had to reject the doubt and unbelief that had been imparted into my life that you just never know about God. Because sometimes he'll make you sick to teach you something. Let me ask you this. If God made you sick to teach you something, why in the world are you going to the doctor to get out of the will of God? Because if he's doing it to teach you something, learn what you're supposed to learn, he'll take it off you. But that's not the case. It's a thief that's come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I've been sick. It ain't the abundant life. But when I'm healed, praise the Lord, 
That's the abundant life. And that's what Jesus has provided for us. And that's why we can attack sickness and disease. Because we know that it's not of God. It's of the evil one. And see, as the just ones, we can know those things. You know, when I, when I, when I heard the message of faith, praise the Lord, I didn't have to reject what I had already learned. I took faith and it, it took me to another level. When I began to hear what people refer to as the extreme of grace, I mean, we, we cut our teeth on grace. We grew up in grace. The church I grew up in was a grace-oriented church. But when I began to hear that, it wasn't taken away from faith. It added to faith. It gave me a greater avenue than I've ever had before in my life. And that's what God wants to do in each and every one of our life. He doesn't want us every week or two to have to start over again. He wants us to go from glory to glory to glory. When I was going to seminary, my pastor came to see me that day. I was still part of the denomination. And he says, Pastor, you're doing the right. He didn't call me pastor. I wasn't a pastor. He said, Dave, you're doing the right thing. Because all I see coming out of our seminaries, I won't mention the seminary. Because every year, the new seminarians, seminarians, are learning the same thing that they had learned for the last 500 years. Not adding to. God wants to take us from glory to glory. You know, Brother Hagen made this statement. He said, take what I'm teaching you. Outline it. Preach it. He says, don't start over again. Take what I, the revelation God's given me. But don't stop there. Go on from there. You know what? There's going to be new revelation till Jesus comes back. Now, it's revelation of the Word. It's not revelation outside the Word. It's revelation of the Word. That's why if Jesus tarries another 150 years, we don't have to worry about the church getting boring because there will always be fresh new revelation available to the church of Jesus Christ. Because God is so big, there's absolutely no way that any one of us can ever comprehend the fullness of God. I love what I heard a preacher say one time when the elders go around the throne of God. And every time they come around the throne of God, they fall on their face and they say, glory, glory, glory is the Lord God Almighty, worthy to be praised and honored and so on and so forth. And this preacher says, you know why they do that, don't you? He says, every time they come around, they see a side of God that they've never seen before and they're overwhelmed. When's the last time you've been overwhelmed with God? When's the last time you've allowed him through the word of God to open your eyes in a way that you, they had never been opened before? That you are overwhelmed with thanksgiving, overwhelmed with the honest. All the English teachers look at me and go, hmm? <laughs> the allness of God, beyond description. It's the God we serve. And we get there when we go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory, faith to faith to faith to faith. It's all revelation of who Jesus is. 
In Romans 4, 16, it says, therefore, it is of faith that, that, it, that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is father of us all. Sure to all the seed, singular. If you're coming on Wednesday night, you'd know why, we're, why it's called singular, why it's singular. It's those who are in Christ Jesus. The promise was made to all those who are in Christ Jesus, singular. How do we go from faith to faith? Because we're in Christ. How do we experience healing? Because we're in Christ. Why do we experience prosperity? Because we're in Christ. It's all because we're in Christ and because of what he has done for us. It's of faith. I've already read it from Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you're saved through faith. For by grace you're saved through faith. And that word saved is an all-inclusive word. Not only means you get to go to heaven when you die, but it includes healing, it includes prosperity, it includes deliverance. It includes all the blessings and the manifold blessings of God. They belong to us now. And we receive them by faith. They've been imparted into our lives the moment that we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. They were imparted into our life. And this is the opposite of the work base of the laws of Moses. It was dependent upon their, what they did. It was dependent upon their works. It was dependent upon their obedience. It was dependent upon everything that they did. But you know what? It says that we've been set free of that. We're no longer under the control of that. It, it's no longer a jailer in our life holding us in check. We are free to serve Jesus. We can serve him with a pure heart, with a whole heart. Romans 5, 2, it says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have access by faith to this grace. What grace? All the grace that has been made available to us through Christ Jesus. We have access. That means it's available to us right now. You don't have to wait till next week to be healed. You don't have to be, wait until next month to experience freedom in your life. The scripture says today, Today is the day of salvation. And again, that word salvation is all inclusive. You say, well, pastor, I had that day some, for me from some 40 some years ago when I was born again. That was my day of salvation. Let me tell you something. If you've got bondage, if you've got sickness, if you've got issues in your life today, today is your day of salvation. Today is a day that you can receive the grace of God to bring freedom and wholeness into your life, that you can walk freer than you've ever walked before. Say, but pastor, I've been saved for 45 years. Praise the Lord. 
you're going to heaven. But thank God that salvation is available to you today so that you can walk free of whatever it is that would try to hold you in check. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You say, Pastor, I don't see it. We receive it by faith. We receive it by faith. We acknowledge what Christ has done. You see, in grace, it's the faith-based laws that are in operation. And so we begin to believe we have it, that we've received it, before we ever see it with our physical eyes because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, the scripture says, how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless there be a preacher? And how can they preach unless they be sent? And the significance of that, in the context of that, he's talking about hearing the word of God. And it comes out of Roman, Romans, the 10th chapter, and the 14th verse. And it says, how then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? And so in the context of that, then we go down to the 17th verse and it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, as a church, we're senders and we're goers got a, little, a lot of people that have gone, but even though we may not always be able to go, we're senders. And that's why there's, I forget right now, it's either 12 or 13 different mission organizations and individuals that we support on a monthly basis so that they can go in our absence. They can go as our substitutes. And so we, we send them forth. And so when we, when we give our money to that, when we pray for those individuals, we're a part of what's taking place because we recognize that we may not personally be able to go and share, but we can send somebody that's able to do so and willing to do so. And that's always got to be a, a part of our heart that we want people to go. And that's why we here, we need to recognize it's important that we share the good news, that we preach the gospel to all that we come in contact with. You know, we do it as we're out in the streets. We, we do it because we, we video the services and put them on Facebook. It's going to go further than that shortly, and we'll give you more information on that. But even last week, we, had, <clears throat> we were on TV because it was our month uh, to be on cable or whatever it is. And we had somebody, individual, an individual that called the church and thanked for the message that was, was put on TV that they were able to, to hear the word of God. And so we do it in many different ways. But we've got to realize, and, and if we don't actively seek it out, we need to realize by faith we're graced to be able to preach the word of God. You say, well, pastor, I don't feel qualified. Are you born again? If you are, then you're qualified because you have something to share. You have something that nobody else has. Now there's scripture in, in 2 Peter 1, 3. 
Just love this verse. Let's start in the second verse because that's so good. Second Peter 1, 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. I like God's mathematics, economics. He's not into adding, he's into multiplying. And he says, grace and peace. How's grace and peace going to be multiplied to us? Through the knowledge of God. How do we receive knowledge of God? Through his word. You say, well, pastor, I just don't feel like I've got much grace in my life. I don't feel like I have much peace. There's a way to increase through the word of God. And he wants to multiply to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Remember, grace and Jesus are synonymous with one another. As his God's, as his divine power has given to us, his divine power has given to us. Or each one of us should be saying, his divine power has given to me. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us by, by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly, exceedingly, there it is again, exceedingly great and precious promises. Through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through its lusts. <clears throat> Have you noticed there's a lot of corruption in this world? There's a lot of evil in this world. And he says that we can escape it. Now that doesn't mean that we just get taken out of the way and we go hide out someplace. But we can escape the consequences, the evils of this world. But we're not going to do it in our own strength, in our own ability, as we try to conform. You know, I can remember in my early days of preaching, I just, I just loved the way that Brother Copeland preached. And, and so I'd get up and I, I just kind of wanted to be another Brother Copeland. And so, you know, I made it a point to insult at least two or three people through the service because, you know, then you, then you were sure to have done something productive. And, you know, and then, you know, Brother Hagen, just loved Brother Hagen. So, you know, there's a period of time where I started twiddling my thumbs because. Brother Hagen twiddled his thumbs, and so there must have been something really good about twiddling your, 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 your thumbs. And, you know, but there's, there's nothing spiritually enduring about twiddling your thumbs. And, and so finally I had to realize something. I'm stuck with me. Because I'm who he created me to be. And, and so my preaching, it might irritates you or whatever it may be. You might get, you know, I, I can imagine after 34 years. Whew. But you know what? We don't have to try to be somebody else. You don't have to try to be somebody else. 
what we need to recognize is that this grace and peace has been multiplied to me through the knowledge of God, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. They've been given to you. Not because you talk a certain way, not because you dress a certain way, not because you, it's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done in your life. Now the thing about it, it may change how you walk, it may change how you talk, it may change how you dress, hopefully it does. But it isn't about that. It's about coming to the revelation of what Jesus has truly done in my life and there's a, there's a transformation that takes place in my life. You know, one of the greatest examples, and I don't think he'll be mad, he's not here so he can't tell me if he'd be mad about it, I think he's out back. But it's Jake. I mean, if you knew Jake, when Jake came to church, started, they started coming on a Wednesday night and eventually worked their way to coming on a Sunday morning and Jake had this interesting haircut where his hair was, was balled up to about there and then he had a ponytail that came down to, you know, to the middle or further down his back and every Sunday he wore his, his tennis shoes and his his, his black cutoffs and his best black Harley t-shirt. And that was Jake. And he was so faithful to come to church. He came all the time to church and, and uh, found out that he played the guitar and realized he was pretty good at it. And so we put him on the worship team. And so here we have this guy on our worship team with this shaved haircut with his ponytail, his tennis shoes, cut off jeans, and black Harley shirt. And I'm there in my suit. But there he is. One Sunday, Jake showed up. He was wearing khakis. His hair was cut. He had a button-down shirt on. We said, Jake, What's wrong? What happened? He said, I, I finally realized something. Through my whole life, I expected people to reject me. And so I decided, I'll give them a reason to reject me. And he said, it finally hit me. Nobody rejected me. They accepted me. And so, he says, there's no longer any reason. Now, you're still going to see Jake periodically in his favorite Harley t-shirt. But it isn't because of insecurity. It's because of security. What was that? There was a transformation that took place in his life. No offense, teenagers, but sometimes I look at you and I think, what are you wearing? 
well, we're, we're independent. You look like everybody else. You're conforming. Somebody wears their jeans down to their knees and so you do. How can you move? I saw somebody the other day, and this was on a, on a job site. His, his belt was right here. I'm thinking, how do you climb that ladder? That's got to be the most uncomfortable thing in the world. Well, I'm an individual. No, you're conforming. And we do it all the time. Go to church and everybody looks the same, look like cookie cutter Christians. Well, we're independent. No, you're conforming. We need a transformation. You know what? I look out here and I see variety. Variety. What a variety. You know why there's a variety? Because you've been transformed. I mean, if you were really spiritual and you wanted to conform, this is what you'd look like. <laughs> but you've been transformed. And so we're all individuals because of Jesus. And you know what that means? We're free. Well, it's going to sound really stupid. But we're free to be me. We're free to be whoever it is that Christ has created us to be. And in the process, what happens is as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God looks upon you and he sees glory. James 2.17 says, faith without works is dead. I like the New American Standard translation. It says, faith without corresponding action is dead. And so what that says is, you know, we've always interpreted it in the past to say, well, you see, that means you've got to do something. No, faith without works or faith without corresponding action, faith without receiving what Jesus has already accomplished for you and I by his grace, it's dead. It's not going to produce anything in our life. For 24 years of my life, I went to church every Sunday, and the word was true that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. But you know what? I never acted upon that. I never put that to work in my life. And so as a result of that, if I had died, I would not have experienced eternal life. I would not have spent eternity in heaven because I didn't act upon the grace that had been made available to me through the completed works of Jesus. That's what I'm saying to you today. We've got to cooperate with God. And how do we cooperate with God? We cooperate with God by getting his word on the inside of us. And once his word is on the inside of us, we begin to live out. We receive what that word has made available to us. And there's a transformation that takes place in our life. And it's because of what Jesus 
has done for us. Ephesians 1, 7, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood. It's all through Jesus. Through him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the richness of his grace. His grace is so rich. His grace is so available for each one of us. And we've obtained redemption through that grace which was purchased through the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus. The significance, one of the significances of Jesus is that he understands. He's the perfect intercessor. He understands our circumstances and situations in life. Because everything that you and I have been tempted with, Jesus was tempted with, yet without sin. He overcame it. And because he overcame it, we get to overcome. The Bible says that we are not just simply overcomers, we're more than overcomers. The reason that we're more than overcomers is because Jesus did the work and we get to reap the benefits of it. That's what a more than overcomer gets to do. We walk in the victory of what Jesus has purchased for us. One last scripture, Hebrews 4, 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we, yet without sin. He can sympathize. But you know what? A lot of times we sympathize with people. But to just sympathize with somebody doesn't mean that you're going to do anything. Jesus was moved with compassion. Compassion always does something about it. Jesus was moved with compassion and because he recognized we couldn't do anything really about our sins, he did something about it. And he came and he set us free that we might live the abundant life. Here this morning, in closing the service, we're going to receive Holy Communion. And one of the reasons why Holy Communion is so important, is so significant, is because Jesus said that we're to do it in remembrance of him. We're to be reminded of everything that Jesus did for us. That for by grace we're saved through faith. For by grace we're saved, not just simply to go to heaven, that we might live a victorious life here on earth. And every time we receive communion, we're reminded of the completed works of Jesus, that on the cross, Jesus proclaimed, Jesus declared, it is finished. It's done. I've completed the work. Salvation now belongs to humanity. I fulfilled that which you could not fulfill. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, we now have life. And as we see today, we're to have it abundantly, exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ever ask or think. And it's through Jesus. And so if I can have the ushers and the elders come forward at this time and begin to pass out the elements, if you're visiting with us today, 
and you've received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're part of the family of God and so therefore you're part of our extended family and so we invite you to receive Holy Communion with us. The way that we serve here is the ushers and elders will pass out the elements and, and once you receive them you can keep them until the end and we'll receive it together otherwise you can just receive it when it comes to you. Hallelujah. As I said, Jesus told us that we're to do it in remembrance of him. And when Paul gave us instruction, when he gave us teaching on communion, he used the same words that Jesus used. And in those words, he said that I give you my body which was broken for you. And so but Jesus' body was broken. I mean, it took those stripes so that your body and my body, that we might be whole. It's through the breaking of his body that our bodies are restored, our bodies are healed, our bodies are made whole. And he said that when we receive it, we're to receive it in remembrance of Jesus, in remembrance of his completed works, in remembrance that it was by grace and we simply need to accept and receive what he's already done for us because it's already done. So the body of Christ, this bread represents the body of Christ, which was broken for you. And as you receive it, Receive it in remembrance of him, the body of Christ. Then it says that in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. And he said to them, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood which was shed for you for the remission of sins. The Bible declares where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so Jesus' blood was shed so that your sins and my sins may be forgiven. Christianity is a religion, I hate to use the word religion because religion implies methods where Christianity is a relationship. But Christianity is a relationship, a religion that's based on the shedding of blood because it's through the shedding of Jesus' blood that our sins were not just simply covered over. Our sins were literally washed away. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when we receive forgiveness through Jesus, 
His blood not only washes away our sins, it washes away the residue of sin. It washes away the shame, the guilt. It's all through the blood. He cleanses us. He makes us whole. Makes us complete. So this juice represents the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus, which was shed for us. And as you receive it, receive it in remembrance of Him. The blood of Jesus shed for you. Receive it in His name. Now, Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've given us this institution, this opportunity to be reminded of the perfect sacrifice that was made for each and every one of us that we might live, that we might experience the abundant life. And so, Father, today all that we can do is thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son Jesus. And Jesus, thank you that you were obedient to the Father and that you came and you willingly laid down your life that we might have life. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've come to live and abide within us. That you might lead and direct us every step of the way. That you might be the continual reminder to us of what we have through the completed works of Jesus. And so we give you praise and glory and honor, Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus. And as we go from this place, we go as your ambassadors to represent you in this hurting, lost, dying world. Father, use each one of us as a vessel of hope, as a vessel to reach out to those that are hurting, to allow them to know that there is a way. There is a way that leads to victory and it's through Jesus. Give us boldness to speak. And Father, and when we do, may you receive all the glory. When we pray it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the precious name of Jesus, amen. And as you go, give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them and have a blessed week. And you too.